Jennifer Zapparelli. Weekday morning from 9 on 2FM. Did you know it's Eating Disorders Awareness Week? Did you know that? Uh, lads, look, the more we talk about things like this, the more we are in a position to help those who experience them, including ourselves, I suppose. And on the line now is Dr. Tony O'Connor, who is an advanced nurse practitioner at the St. Patrick's Mental Health Services in Dublin. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you so much for taking the call. Uh, can we start with the stats uh, and how how common are eating disorders in adults in Ireland? So there's approximately 200,000 people in Ireland with an eating disorder with about 1,800 new cases each year. Um, they certainly appear to be on the increase, particularly since um, the pandemic um, and I think, you know, maybe during the pandemic, pandemic, people became very isolated or lack of therapy options, closure of outlets, that kind yeah. of, you know, people would have used like gyms and stuff to manage to stress. And I suppose, you know, all of that kind of coming together has definitely increased the amount of people who are referred and are coming for assessment and treatment. Uh, Tony, you said 1,800 uh, yeah. per year. Are those the ones we know about? There are the ones we know about, yeah, okay. and that would be in keeping, like, with international figures, um, which is an it's, a, it's an important point actually because a lot of people either don't name it as an eating disorder or are too shameful to come for treatment, or don't want to come for treatment. So yes, you do have a cohort of people who don't mm-hmm. kind of who wouldn't be included in that mm-hmm. one thousand eight hundred. What different things can trigger eating disorders in adult patients? Uh, well, it's very difficult really to pinpoint exactly what the trigger might be, and it's kind of like multifactorial. Yeah. And a good way of understanding it is that when a person is distressed, and there might be something really big in their life happening, like a death or exams or bullying in school or work-related dis- um, distress, and it might even be something really small to you and I, maybe like the death of a pet, that might be very significant for that person. So when you think of the level of distress that person has, the eating disorder behaviours allows a person to become kind of emotionally disconnected from that distress. And we all kind of use different ways of disconnecting from Mm -hmm. distressing thoughts. But for these people, it's like that eating disorder behaviours and thoughts. So if we look at somebody with anorexia, they might say they think about food and weight 24 hours, seven days a week. So subconsciously, that stops them thinking about what's really going on for them in in distressing terms. And maybe for somebody who binges and purges, often I've heard somebody say it's like living in a whiteout in the moment that these disorder behaviours are happening. But unfortunately for these people, it's only really transient because the shame and guilt and self-criticism that kind of comes to mind when they've finished the purging or binging is really difficult for them to manage thereafter. So it's Eating Disorders Awareness Week. Why is public awareness so important? Well, for if you think about stigma and stigma, really the lack of knowledge really is a foundation for stigma. And if you can inform people, it improves their knowledge, improves understanding, it improves empathy. And for people with eating disorders, that stigma stops them going forward for treatment or stops them being able to talk just to their friends or family members around the eating disorder. So if we can in any way impart that knowledge to people, it will make them 
I suppose, to be in a better, better place that they can listen to people who are experiencing an eating disorder. So that's a really good starting point. Can we talk about signs uh, and some yeah. signs that someone in your life might be experiencing an eating disorder? How can we spot them? So I suppose it's different for the different types of eating disorders. Yeah. So if somebody is anorexia, it's a very visible illness um, and you're looking at weight loss. Um, not eating with family, not eating certain food groups, over-exercising, and then, of course, psychologically, you've got distress and mood and anxiety, avoidance of social activities. For somebody with bulimia, it's not quite so easy to spot because that person tends to be at normal weight or even slightly above normal weight. But things to watch out for would be like visiting the bathroom, after eating, finding food packages around the house, missing food from the cupboards, and then again, psychologically, you've kind of got mood and anxiety going on. For somebody with binge eating disorder, this tends to affect somebody of an older age group. And they would be eating large amounts of food in a very short period of time. So it's different to somebody who grazes throughout the day. So I suppose you're looking at somebody who gains a significant amount of weight because they don't purge or overexercise. But one key element for somebody with binge eating disorder is low mood and low motivation. So they're the kind of things you might kind of look out for. How common is it that just people gradually slide into an eating disorder without noticing that they actually have a problem? That would actually, I think, be more applicable to people with anorexia nervosa. And I suppose that's because they can explain the behaviours as healthy living. So cutting out sweets or exercising. Mm -hmm. Even if they lose weight, they tend to dismiss that low weight or low BMI um, and they, the, the losing weight can actually reinforce eating disorder because they have a feel of achievement, control, that sort of thing. Sometimes it takes some th- to come in for treatment before they can even name it. It's a really difficult thing to say, I have an eating disorder. But through treatment, it gives them better insight. Um, and again, it gives them a better way of naming what's going on for them. So it can take until they go for treatment before they realise actually this is an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. For people with bulimia, it's different because the purging they know isn't normal and there's no way they can explain that as healthy eating. So people with bulimia nervosa tend to kind of be able to spot it, know there's something not right. Maybe not name it, but know that there's something not right. Okay, so what is evidence-based treatment and how does it work? So traditionally, evidence-based treatment was based on clinical research. But more recently, there's this, what we call a three-legged stool. So you've got the clinical research findings, but you've got clinical expertise with that. And then most importantly, you've got the service users' preferences and needs. So international guidelines would kind of draw on these three things and make recommendations on best practice interventions. So different interventions would be things like cognitive behavioral therapy, which looks at behaviors and um, thoughts. Maudsley model of anorexia nervosa for adults is a relatively new treatment that kind of was mentioned in the the UK guidelines in 2017. Um, Then you've got compassion-focused therapy, which deals with, uh, kind of looks at those feelings of guilt and shame and self-criticism that I mentioned earlier. Mm things like interpersonal psychotherapy. But for young adults, for um, children under 18, family therapy would be the first point of call. And of course, medication does have a play in that. But the international guidelines would kind of recommend it based on that 
kind of three stool approach. St. Pat's are actually hosting a webinar uh, all about eating disorders today. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, if, yes. If people want to register for that, Tony, where can they go? Um, stpatricks.ie forward slash events. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us today and, and best of luck with the event. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. There we go. That was Dr. Tony O'Connor, who is an advanced nurse practitioner at, and at St. Patrick's Mental Health Services. Really interesting chat. I suppose communication is key and just keeping an eye on each other. Um, if you want to register for that webinar, like she said, go to St. Pat's website and we'll be back right after this. Jennifer Zapparelli. Weekday morning from 9. On 2FM.